If you've been listening to this podcast over the past few episodes, you know something about the host. We will keep it 100 and tell you when something hits and when it shits. With that, we at Nerdcraft Nation decided to have a roast, running through the movies, television shows, and people we hate and can't understand the popularity of. How did Avatar win an Academy Award? Why is Family Guy still on television? And how good of an actor is Ben Affleck? I'm Chris Walker, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Welcome to Nerdcraft Nation. I'm Chris, and we have with us Austin Hall. Hello. Jose Lopez. Hey, everyone. And Brandon Kessley. Hello. And today we are going to have, for the first time ever, five issues in, the Nerdcraft Roast of 2019. Now, you might be wondering, what is that? What are we doing? Whose crazy idea this was? It was mine. But tonight, (laughs) one time only, maybe two more times, maybe we turn this into an annual thing. Who knows? Call me crazy. We are going to roast some things in pop culture that just make no damn sense. That whose popularity we just question the fuck out of, whose production we question the fuck out of, whose just presence burns a hole in our heart. I'm looking at you, Seth MacFarlane. (laughs) What's that one show that you just never understood existing? Like, I don't know, Jersey Shore. Jose, I have questions for you later. Or okay. The Bachelor slash Bachelorette, Austin. I, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. But that's basically the premise today. Everybody has one topic that they're going to give us a general roast of, starting in alphabetical order with Mr. Austin Hall. And each member will ask them a couple of questions and poke their brains and see where they can take it from there. So with that, we shall begin with Austin. Also, I will note that after we finish up with these, we will go around. Everybody had to come up with three selections and we will go around and see what everybody has questions on and thoughts on the other selections. But yes, Austin, if you wouldn't mind starting us off. Yes, so mine is completely off the book because I have a roast for the people that hate on The Last Jedi, which is the latest Star Wars movie we have, specifically about Luke Skywalker's character arc. Now, this is one of the things that drives me bonkers. Let's look at Luke Skywalker, and let's look at, first, why people are hating on Luke's character arc of giving up at the beginning of the movie. I've seen people say, this is ruining my childhood, this is out of character for uh, Luke Skywalker. I would argue that this is a much more interesting story and much more realistic. And I start that by saying, Luke's story is one of tragedy. He was born thanks to a father who was the most evil being in the universe, Darth Vader, who he finds out is his father right after getting his hand cut off by him. He finds out who his sister is. He finds out that he has a sister after he's already made out with her. He finds out that he has to kill his father. His father saves him by basically killing himself, sacrificing himself by, so we thought at the time, killing Darth Sidious. 
we get into the sequel movies, he has saved the galaxy numerous times and is now trying to continue the Jedi way by taking his nephew, Ben Solo, and a couple of students. What happens is, in a moment of pure fear, he turns his lightsaber on and thinks of actually killing his nephew, Ben Solo. Immediately realizes that's not a good idea. It's too late. Ben Solo destroys everything, changes to the dark side, and to Luke, it's all his fault. So you mean to tell me after all of that, he's going to say, well, I just, I'm, I'm going to go save the world again. No, he's not going to say that. Only so much can happen to a person before they give up and act human. He has tried to save the world time and time again and probably thinks at this point that it was for nothing. And as any human would most likely do, he kind of gives up and thinks in more of his selfless way that he thinks that the world's better off with him not interfering. Then the fact that Ray ignites a new fire under him to come and one last time help save the galaxy was a very seminal moment, was a moment that was exciting and was a moment that I'll cherish probably forever. Now, I'm 29 years old. My whole life, Luke Skywalker has been my number one hero. If I, as a 29-year-old, can understand that even heroes are human beings, why can't other people? Why do people have to say, this isn't how it was supposed to be, and blah, 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 blah. It's a more interesting story. We see Luke in a way we have never seen him before, as downtrodden, as needing someone else to save him. That's a more interesting story than to continually have him be this gallant warrior. So that's my take. And I'm sticking to it. Damn. How does anyone follow that? <laughs> well, you put two pants, your one leg into one leg and your other leg into the other leg. Then you pull your pants up and you try. <laughs> Damn. Um. So, Austin, I actually have a question. Okay. So you mentioned that we hadn't seen Luke downtrodden before and, and him needing to be saved by someone else. My question is, is Luke really being saved so much as inspired or Wait, didn't re Didn't he get saved at the very end of... Sorry to cut in. Didn't he get saved at Return of the Jedi? Like, Palpatine Not... was, like, electrocuting him and then Vader, like, kind of, like, threw Palpatine out tunnel. I don't know if that counts or you were thinking of something else. Yeah, you could argue he's being saved there. I mean, I also would like to argue that he's being saved when he gets his hand cut off and he... Wait, am I not remembering the movie correctly? He gets his hand cut off and then he has to, like, get his ass out of there. But, like, he doesn't get himself out of there on his own. Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, right. He communicates with, like, Leia to save him. Yeah, unknowingly connecting via his bond with her as siblings. Yeah, that makes sense. Such a weird movie. <laughs> in, in hindsight, yeah. Yeah, really weird. I would say that, yeah, it looks like he has been saved multiple times. Might as well sing the Smallville theme song. <laughs> <laughs> but, Somebody save me. You know, it, it does seem like he needs to be saved one more time. So maybe my, my argument was not that this is the first time he's being saved, but that... Um, he needs someone to pull him back out. Right, one more time. But that would further make the point that this is not out of character for Luke. Because that was another argument I would hear, is like, this is so out of character. Luke wouldn't do this. But we've seen time and time again that you can only deal with so much before you kind of give up. 
And again, you could argue that he's probably thinking the most selfless thing he can do is not intervene and not screw things up anymore. He needs Ray to inspire him. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I definitely agree with you that I thought it was a more interesting story. I definitely grew up reading a lot of the New Jedi Order books before they were decanonized and the Young Jedi Knights and all that and playing some of the video games, especially with Jedi Academy and seeing Luke in that light where he is this grand Jedi master. And then when you walk into The Last Jedi and you get instead this broken man, the broken hero who fell into the same cycle that he had before, where even after learning that Darth Vader is his father in that final duel, he was still willing to kill him out of anger, out of rage, out of fear, almost falling to the dark side. And he resisted at the last minute, which is the same echo that I personally saw in The Last Jedi, where again, he's about to do it. And then he realized he catches himself and he's like, you know what? I almost did this before. Knew it wasn't the right move. But only this time, he's the older one instead of the younger one. And also, Rey is kind of kind of plays the Luke figure in here too because like what you were saying Brandon is Obi-Wan and Yoda were telling him to kill his father and he said no I won't do it I'm gonna save him that kind of echoes Luke saying Ray this isn't going to go the way that you think and Ray thinking no I'm gonna I'm gonna save Ben so yeah there are echoes throughout one of my favorite parts is the fact that he makes fun of what he's going to do two acts later. He's yeah. like, what, am I going to face down the bad guys with a laser sword? And then he does it. <laughs> does he? Well, does he, he, does he, he though? Himself. Yeah. Well, that, he that's projects kinda, himself and then dies. That's the kind of the ton, tongue-in-cheek thing that I liked about it is like... His spirit came back for this. Yeah. yeah. Literally. <laughs> I've heard theories saying that he was dead the whole time. I disagree Whoa. with that. That's, uh, I, I'm not against that. Like, if you think about it, did he even touch anybody? Exactly my point. Uh, I mean, you mean he was dead the whole time on on yeah. crate? Yeah, he was dead the whole movie. He's been no. dead this whole time. He's like, he's pulling up Bruce Willis. He's a, it's a uh, Sixth Sense guy. That's funny. That. That's funny considering he literally has an entire fight with Ray in the second act. <laughs> yeah, oh, and they touch, they touch uh, swords or whatever. Like, <laughs> they, they cross they, swords. They, they cross, they cross. Austin, Austin, this is a podcast. <laughs> They cross sticks together. Whoa, <laughs> sir, sir. Hey, man, that green milk was definitely alive, okay? He, he was in the mood. He was feeling it. There's you some know, cultures he in gave there. Her, he gave her that look, like, mm, mm. green titty milk. Mm. I, I love sassy old Luke in this movie so much. Sassy old Luke is actually my favorite part of the movie because you're just waiting for him to crack any line possible. That was the first thing we talked about, Austin. Sassy old Luke. Yeah. My question for you is, do you think that there's actually a fair note to the criticism in that I don't want to say that this is Luke being somewhat immature, but I would say that it's him retreating into old behaviors. So when moving past his old behaviors or working towards being past his old behaviors and how his old patterns held him back as a person at different times, when that shows some sort of growth in the character, if he was like stepped away for a while but willing more willing to come and work with the resistance at all 
I mean, from his point of view, he is doing the right thing and the selfless thing that he's always done, which is the galaxy's best chance is for me to kill off the Jedi religion and thus shut myself off from the world. And I haven't heard a astute take on that, like what you just said, Chris, because a lot of it has been like, wah, wah, my childhood's ruined, wah, 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 which comes from a very shallow and immature point. And I think that a lot of people who said this killed my childhood, they were looking for Luke to just come in, guns a-blazing. I very much doubt that a lot of the people who said this killed my childhood were thinking about it that as in-depth as, as you just said, Chris. But if they have, then, you know. I mean, what you say is a, is certainly valid, but I, I, haven't, I haven't heard that up until just now. So. Well, I can give you a take that I have. Okay. On Last Jedi, that, like, I myself had some issues with Last Jedi. What I think, what some, I don't know if this is just me or what other people are saying, the thing that I was iffy about with Luke's arc in this movie was I, like, I totally got that he was, like, a grumpy old man because Kylo Ren basically killed all this Jedi and he thought it was his fault. Yes, yeah. The flashback scene, though, is what still, like, I'm not sold on for Luke's character that he would just whip out his lightsaber and try to kill his nephew in the middle of the night. Like, if you gave me an explanation of why he did that, just yeah. other than other than just, like, his nephew's, like, a little curious about the dark side. <laughs> like, did he try counseling? Was he drunk on that green titty milk? Some type of reasoning to make the leap to, like, I'm going to whip out my lightsaber and kill this kid in the middle of the night. Yo, Jose, like, I'm telling you, that green titty milk got cultures in it. Yeah. Had they shown that, brain. I would have been fine. Like, okay, yeah, Luke is drunk. He's going to, he's, like, not thinking straight. He's going to try to kill his... Uh, nephew in the middle of the night because i think like if like i were in his shoes and say somebody i love like say for example i had a little brother and he was showing sociopathic tendencies my first instinct wouldn't be like oh let's like lock this kid up in looney bin or whip out and try to kill him before he kills us it'd be like hey let's get some counseling going let's get like a family meeting happening like something of that nature my first if it's somebody i loved i wouldn't just be like oh he's fucking crazy he's gonna kill us all let's lock him up yeah, and, you know, maybe keep him away from all the Sith artifacts. Like, let's make yeah. an effort here to yeah, make exactly. sure he stays on the side of good. Yeah, I would have left to see that, like, a little more flashback like that. Like, okay, he's trying. He's, like, this is, this is the same man who wouldn't give up on his dad, who's basically space Hitler. Like, yeah. I'm sure he can make an effort for his nephew, who he's no longer and grown up, I'm assuming, like, grown up alongside with and trained with. True, true. I would call Darth Vader really space Benito Mussolini, but that's just me. Okay, yeah, that and that also works. Yeah. But yeah, There's you like didn't give up on you didn't give up on that evil dictator. I I don't see why you would give up on your like nephew who's like tempted to go that route. Like okay. if I'd seen just something like a little flashback, some type of explanation, that would have kind of sold it for me. That's so, actually why I got the question that I got too. By the way. Because, okay. like, that's, yeah, that's, like, a really big part of it, but um, it's also just kind of, I felt like that was a plot hole, and it was very confusing at times, but I was also like, mm. I like the journey that we're going on. This is weird. I don't, I don't know where we're going to go with this one. I hear you. Make it fun. I think he already answered your question. He had told Ray that he had seen flashes before in training. And he decided to enter his mind to see how bad it was. And in that moment, what he saw, he already thought he's too far gone and he's the enemy. And in a moment of weakness, he reacted, which is what 
he had to a degree been trained to do, which is react and fight the dark side. I think there's also one big part we tend to forget when it comes to Luke. He didn't really have the conventional Jedi training. He kind of got thrown into it and like learned how to use his abilities, but didn't really learn the full aspect of the emotional control. And so even in Return of the even in Return of the Jedi, when, you know, yeah, sure, he was trying not to like he's like, you know, I'm not gonna kill you, Father. I won't fight you, I won't fight you. But like when the Emperor goes him, first thing he does is draw his lightsaber and then he's forced to fight his dad. When Vader threatens Leia, he reignites and then beats him in a fit of rage and cuts off his hand and is about to kill him before he pulls himself out. Luke's entire character arc has been him being almost emotionally reactive, despite him being the straight man of the original trilogy. So exactly. that part didn't actually surprise me, me at least. Yeah. So I guess I'm kind of partially still not completely sold on the idea, because I think it back as to a more human aspect, regardless of Jedi training or whatever. Like, say you found, again, going to the little brother example, you found a bunch of dead animals in your little brother's room. So you get the sense, like, okay, he's torturing animals. You find all these weird clippings, like... You see, like, the signs of a serial killer happening. Would immediate reaction be, like, whip out a knife and try to kill the kid in the middle of the night? Or try some counseling and see where it goes from there? Because I feel like that's what the reasoning that we got in the movie was, like, okay, Luke peeked into his head. He saw signs of, like, dark side curiousness. Like, ooh, I'm, like, thinking of going to the dark side. Snoke's idea seems all cool and stuff. I don't know if he saw visions of, like, I don't think it was specifically said that he saw visions of, like, Kylo killing... Han or Leia or whomever, like hurting actual people that he knew about, killing and, Lando. Maybe yeah, that's killing. Like, maybe he yeah, saw maybe Lando, a vision yeah. of him killing Lando, and he was like, "Not my brother." Mm. No, no. What I remember was him saying, and again, I saw the movie again pretty recently, like within the last month or so. I finally sat down to watch it again. He literally said that Snoke had already turned him. Now we can debate whether that's a weak justification, but that was the reasoning that was given in the movie. And I think he was afraid of the fact that he had already lost him and that he kind of reacted in that moment and then caught himself again. But at that point, Kylo had already woken up and he's just like, well, shit's about to hit the fan. And hit the fan, it did. Yeah. Well, also he said that that feeling passed like a shadow or something like that. So even in that hideous moment, it came and it went. Like of Kylo's feeling or Luke's feeling? Uh, of Luke's feeling. Of feeling like he had to defeat him. Yeah, it was a knee-jerk reaction. But the issue and the turning point was that Ben woke up and he saw right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess for for me, it's still like the thing like, okay, you realize that it's a bad idea once you already have the knife out and, and holding it to his neck. To me, That's it, when you it, snap it out like, of Ben. You're like, you, whoa. Yeah. This is like, murder now you realize it's a bad idea. Now you realize that this is a nervy reaction where you already have like, you're ready to make the kill move. Not before you start taking it out or before you go into his room or like... I don't know. To me, it's I'm still not 100% sold on the idea, but that's just me. This makes me more curious about, like, Kylo Ren and Rey's background. An issue that I've been having, and I think I've voiced this to you, Brandon, with the new Star Wars trilogy that we have going on so far, is yeah. the fact that we have all these old characters that we grew up with, and there's, like, a lot of literature on them. And now we have these like newer characters who we're building up lore about, who we're building up mythology about, and we're trying to figure out who, who they are. Like who they are, yeah. And we've only gotten two movies. And if we like we get like little Easter eggs that hint at things, but at the same time, like Easter eggs are for babies. <laughs> I don't I don't like Easter eggs, you guys. I that's my hot take of the day, by the way. 
I felt like I needed to get that out there. I feel better now. But yeah, no, seriously, um, it just feels like it doesn't feel cheap because I can tell like there's a lot of work going into it. But it feels like we're getting these people who they are now and how they got there. But like we don't get the full picture of what's taken them mm-hmm. there and away. I don't know if that's a fair criticism to you, Austin, of the entire like sequel series so far. But that's how that's what I've drawn from it so far. But I do also still love the last jedi i thought it was actually really good because it just kind of it's like a journey it's like a really really beautiful journey and like i there's points where i thought the movie was over and then i was like oh shit we got more movie to go yeah yeah and this was like (laughs) excited to keep going it wasn't like a long slog it wasn't like watching does anybody know a movie over two i'm sorry the godfather three Oh, yeah. Just when I thought that was out, they pulled me back in. Just when I thought I could fall asleep. Uh, nope, nope. I'm still going to go to sleep. Never mind. It's got to the Free. king. Oh, my God. No, I'm not. I almost made a rant about Return of the King, and I regret not doing that. There's still time. What's wrong with that movie? It's long as fuck. <laughs> it is long as fuck. Did you ever see the extended editions? It's like five Don't hours. you talk to Don't me about Don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> Don't you get me started. We'll be here all night. <laughs> I like the extended versions. Then you probably had nothing to do one day. You're just like, I got, I'm going to kill this off right now. I had nothing to do for many, many Saturdays. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Know. When Austin first started working with me, he uh, he had elbow surgery or was that shoulder surgery? Sh- shoulder surgery. Shoulder surgery. And he was gone for like two, three weeks. And we were all like, Dan, he must just be killing this time off right now. And I feel like you got through a lot of movies. I don't remember if you did or not, but that's my other question. Did you get through a lot of movies when you had shoulder surgery in 2014? I was out of it for like the first two days because I was on painkillers. I remember watching some of the 2013 World Series DVDs. That's about it. And then I found out about the dress thing. I'm like, well, okay, I guess that's a thing now. That's all I really remember. It was not a fun time. It was not a fun time. I would think not. I've had jaw surgery, and that was just the lost mind in painkillers. Yeah, 0 out of 10 would not recommend. Same. All right, do we have any other questions for Austin today, you guys? I do not. No, I'm good. All right, thanks, Austin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And up next, we have Jose. Okay, so my rant is going to be about the new Hellboy movie that came out this year and how goddamn awful it was. Holy (laughs) shit. Holy shit. They should have just let Guillermo del Toro do Hellboy 3. Because you could just tell from everything from the production quality to, like, the visual effects that it was just cheaply made. Like, the makeup on David Harbour's face looked like a Halloween mask. Like, literally, you could see his real chin outlined in his fake chin. The chest hair looked varied from shot to shot. Sometimes it looked like natural chest hair. Sometimes it looked like somebody just, like, put duct tape in here and stuck it on his chest. Um, Visual effects looked like a poorly early 2003 movie. And yeah, just the makeup job looked like a gross horror film. Like, I'm thinking of maybe like the Resident Evil movies, but with an even lower budget, if that's possible. And <laughs> it just made me miss the Guillermo del Toro movies, because at least he, the man had a vision in those. This looked like a cash grab attempt at a, with a much lower budget with goddamn awful results. There's not even an interesting story. I couldn't even tell you what the story was about. It was like some queen lady and she got chopped up oh 
ironically also starring Mila Jovovich from Resident Evil. <laughs> that was going to be and my it, first question. Yeah. And it was directed by Neil Marshall, the same guy who allegedly had relations with that girl that allegedly had relations with Kevin Sujihara, so she would put him in movies, and that's why she got. Damn. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Yes, yeah. she wanted a role in this back. movie. He was part of the whole controversy around that. Basically, Neil Marshall, like I forgot who this girl's name was she was apparently a terrible actress but wanted to make her way in hollywood by like sleeping with important people kevin she slept with kevin sujihara she he promised her a good role he went to that didn't happen because she was fucking terrible so then we got to neil marshall she wanted to play the role of a character called alice i believe she was the lead that was actually played by another actress look this up real quick because I oh yep I have it handy she uh, was going to play Alice Moynihan but she was replaced by Sasha Lane because she did not uh, she did not get that role this movie was terrible and he was involved in that whole scandal that got Kevin Sujihara fired from as the CEO of Warner Brothers so yeah overall terrible movie don't even bother watching it just rewatch Hellboys 1 and 2 from Guillermo del Toro and that's my take Damn. Do you remember how long the movie was? Too long. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> it was, I think it was only two hours long, but it felt like wow. a slog. I so think what? the Guillermo del Toro movies were like a little longer, and it did not feel like a slog. Did they want to make a Hellboy 3? They did. So Guillermo okay. del Toro was pitching for it, but I guess he was asking for too much money to complete his vision. I know Ron Perlman was going to be totally on board with it. But yeah, the studio said he was asking for too much money to make the third one and because the first two hadn't made that much. Although that's partly the studio's fault because they released Hellboy 2 the same week or the week after The Dark Knight. I was like, okay, like, how are you even going to compete with that? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, because they were doing interviews and they were saying, no, we'll be fine. Hellboy is great. No, yeah. It was great, but like, not Dark Knight. It got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup. Yeah, and it deserved that Oscar, yeah. Yeah, but like compared to like the fan base of Batman, it didn't stand a chance. Oh yeah, it was going to take an L immediately. It yeah. got an eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I like that movie. It was a great movie. Yeah, it was. It was a good movie. Just yeah. like. Heath Ledger, you know, may he rest in peace, put in a ridiculous performance in a good way. Yeah. In otherworldly performance. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, Hellboy 2 was, like, a fun, like, fantasy adventure, but, like, didn't stick up to the ranks of, like, a Batman movie. And I think that might be the highest rated Batman movie of all time, right? I think it I is, know. yeah. Yeah. I would so, hope. They, yeah, there was, it was going to take an L immediately. The studio should have just pushed it back a few months for Hellboy 2. That way it could have stood a chance. I'd like to note that The Dark Knight and Hellboy 2 were both nominated for Best Makeup and lost to the curious case of Benjamin Button because, of course, it did. Wow. Jose, was this supposed to be a reboot? Was it like a random movie just featuring the characters? What what the fuck was this? It was supposed to be a reboot, and they were trying to, like, reinvigorate the franchise with new life. Like, uh, Mike Mignola, the original creator of Hellboy was like all on board with it because like all right we're going to do it closer to the comic books it's going to be like darker and gorier but it was just gross like the gore in this movie was like ugh, it was it felt like the resident evil movies it reminded me a lot of it. and it's like 
why? Like the Ew. way that Guillermo del Toro did it was like such a great take on it. It wasn't gory. It, this one was rated R compared to the other one for no fucking reason. I don't know why. I don't know why the hell they did R. The higher rating just probably hurt this movie even more, and rightfully so because it flopped in the box office. David Harbour said he's probably never gonna play Hellboy again, and we might not. Yeah, we're definitely not getting a sequel to this. So who knows what happens. <laughs> To the franchise from here. Wait, I do have one more question. Mm -hmm. This or 2015 Fantastic Four, which is worse? Don't you dare bring those up. Don't you dare compare the two. That is a question, Randy. They went into this movie knowing how much money they had. (laughs) God damn it, Brandon, you're trying to to fucking screw me over from the jump, aren't you? I see your moves. I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. That's a fucking great question. You know it. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, I don't know which one is worse. I'll put it that way. They might be tied. I haven't seen like the 2015 one in a while, so I watched it yeah. last night. It was great. <laughs> it might be a tie, man, and I'm gonna leave it there. Damn, Chris, didn't you like the the first two act the the first two acts of the Fantastic Four movie? I'll I'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Honestly, my question is, how the heck did we wind up with David Harbour instead of Ron Perlman as Hellboy? Does that have to do with Del Toro not being a part of it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ron Perlman said that if Guillermo wasn't doing it, he wasn't doing it. And he made the right call because he would have been part of this trash and it would have not benefited anybody. Like there was even one scene at the very end that teased the character Abe Sapien, the fish guy from the first two Hellboy movies. Yes. Yeah. So in this movie, we got a teaser at the end, and we just see his hand. That fucking hand looked awful. Like I was like, I only saw hands. Like I don't want to see any more of this. I'd rather just watch Hellboy one and two again. If even an amphibian hand looks fucking awful, like somebody just made it out of paper mache and like glue glitter, I'm like, no, get the fuck out of here. Fuck out of here with your fish man. I'll go. I'll happily go watch Shape of Water again. Oh my god. My follow-up question was going to be, isn't this also the movie that had like a ton of controversies because they didn't originally hire Daniel Day Camp, right? Oh, that's right. Yes. They'd also had that a controversy that it, they originally hired Ed Stein, who was Francis from Deadpool 1, the bad guy in that movie, and in one season was Dario Naharis of Game of Thrones. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah he was. He was wow. original Dario. And then they he was the like, pretty boy this. one. Yep. He's not an artsy dame. That's so weird. Yeah. Daniel Day Kim's character is basically just a wear cheetah, and that's really all there is to his character. He just turns into a cheetah from when he gets mad. He's basically like Hulk, but cheetah. Or Beast but, Boy in Titans. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, there's he's just like sometimes pissed at Hellboy, sometimes not. Doesn't really do much else other than be turned into a cheetah and occasionally yell at Hellboy. I treat Hellboy like I treat Deadpool. If it's like on television, I'll watch it. But like I don't have any special connection with it, unlike a bunch of different things. So I don't know as much about it. However, that actually sounds fucking cool. And I wish that I read more of Hellboy now because yeah, weird, the comics are great. Weird Jaguar is my level of occult supernatural shit and i'm sure guillermo del toro would have handled that character a lot better i bet you guillermo del toro wouldn't have like a race con Mm, no i'm gonna take that back guillermo del toro is capable of anything really if if you've got sketchy things in your closet i and i don't know about it i'm just gonna start trying to pull myself back away from these things for a little bit 
My other question is, since you brought this up, Jose, what's worse, this or any of the Resident Evil movies? Yes. Because there's so many. I'm going to give it to this, yeah. Like, Resident Evil, at least, um, some... Like, I feel like you can get away with some, like, dumb, fun entertainment at times, but this was just, no. This is no fun for anybody. The first two Resident Evil movies weren't, they weren't the best, but, I mean, they were still, like, entertaining. When you get to, like, the fifth and sixth one, it was just garbage and boring. Yeah, even then, I would still put Hellboy below those. Damn. I remember seeing, like, one of them in theaters, too, and it was in, like, it was right after they had, I think, Resident Evil 5, whichever had Chris and Sheva in, like, either South America or South Africa or something, and, like, they just recreated one of the fight scenes from that, and I was just like, yo, it's cool to see the fight scene, but this movie is boring as all ghetto. Yep. You're telling me it's worse than that? Well, not I keep about forgetting maybe, if they have good scenes. Maybe around the same level, then. Maybe around the same oh. level. As the, uh, as the later Resident Evil movies. Still worse than the first couple ones, but yeah, maybe at the okay. same level then of the last couple ones. Okay. That's Yikes. Clear. Yeah. I'm going to make sure to watch that on like a day. No, that's a lot. I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> no. Who am I, watch, who am I watch the first two Hellboys, man. I'm sorry, Jose. That was just like I ignored everything you just said. Yeah. You just gave me good advice and I kind of yeah. just went spit, spit They even made like button. animated movies for Hellboy that are better than this. Ron Perlman right, does the voice. That. Ooh, okay. I love Ron Perlman. There we go. I'll send them to you. Thank you. Did you guys know that Ron Perlman will sometimes dress as Hellboy and go to like hospitals? Yeah, he did the same thing that uh, Chris Evan and Chris Pratt did also the same thing. They dressed yeah. up as their MCU characters and visited kids at the hospital. Yeah, Ron Perlman did the same thing. I literally almost just said his name's probably Chris at some point. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, a Super pod- Bowl bet about that, actually. Oh, yeah. 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 And everybody won in that case. Yeah. True. Except the Seahawks. <laughs> All right. I actually just have a general question for everyone. What's the worst movie that you've actually paid to see in theaters? Wow, that's a good question. The Last Airbender. Wow. I, I actually did not see that one coming. Okay. I think I'm either going to go with Twilight or Sucker Punch. I think maybe Twilight takes the cake. I saw Eclipse and The Last Airbender back to back because I was trying to be nice to my sister at the time and it was probably the worst movie day of my life <laughs> I went to Twilight thinking it was going to be more like the movie Underworld because all I knew about it was they had vampires and werewolves and then I go into it and I'm like what the fuck is this shit why is he sparkling this movie makes no goddamn sense why did was I just, just dipped in glitter <laughs> I expected Underworld and got some weird shit that I want to erase from my memory this is actually hard for me oh no it's not it's X-Men Origins Wolverine why, why would I act like this is that hard? <laughs> I usually say Soul Plane to this question, but today, no, it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Why lie? Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I've already talked about how much I hated that movie on this podcast. You're I've right. To, yeah, I, you gotta give people variety, Brandon. You gotta give people variety. <laughs> gotta give them a little zhuzh, you know? You gotta, you gotta make them dance. I still haven't seen that movie, I refuse to. No, it's all right. Yeah, no. Just wait for it to come out on your TV in like a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, true. it's out on digital right now, I think. So we'll leave that with fact yeah. check, everybody. Yeah. Side note, I'm working on an X-Men Origins Wolverine alternate cut, but we'll Ooh. see how that goes. <laughs> cut out all of Will I Am. That's the first yeah, thing. There, yeah, there's a, yeah, that's the thing. There's only so much I can cut out until the movie stops making sense. <laughs> Even the shitty part's like, damn it, I still need this fucking thing in here. Otherwise, the plot won't stand, but... We'll see. We'll see. Is Ryan Reynolds still going to be in it? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I need it okay. to be a surprise. I'll, I'll leave it as a surprise. 
Jose, I'm winking at you through <laughs> through the laptops. I hope you can feel it. Okay, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. Austin? For uh, me, it's Inside Lewin Davis. Wow. Wow. I don't know why you guys are saying wow. Is it because you agree or disagree? I've only heard good things about that movie, so I'm yeah. actually genuinely okay. shocked. So um, I've seen part of the movie, Austin, so I kind of get where you're going with. Because, yeah, it was nominated for like a bunch of awards, but it's a boring fucking movie. Right. So I had a friend who liked to watch a lot of independent movies and he wanted to see this movie i didn't care to see it but i went to see it because you're a good friend uh, right if it's something that i might not like but it's a chance to hang out with people then i'm gonna try and hang out yeah that's how um, you came to dark phoenix with us i mean i enjoyed that movie <laughs> okay. to be honest uh, and that's i fair. enjoyed the time we had together oh uh, <laughs> anyway uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was boring. I I hadn't heard of Lewin Davis. I didn't care about Lewin Davis. I didn't care about seeing a movie about Lewin Davis. And it was boring. And yeah, that's about it. Did not that's enjoy fair. myself. That's fair. I originally thought the movie was actually about Bob Dylan. And to find out that it wasn't was a very big shock to me. I thought Bob Dylan just was originally Lewin Davis. And then he switched his name to Bob Dylan later and i was like wow that's not what's going on here all right i guess i'm not watching this one wasn't there a movie that was that was basically that like a bunch of characters playing bob dylan <laughs> i'm not there oh yeah <laughs> i've heard of that it's really good oh oh <laughs> yeah i'm not there it was the name of the movie it's really good he's played by a couple women in it, and that's that's where the real acting is it's played by Kate Blanchett, richard gear Heath ledger and a little kid probably other people too i can't Wait, I'm going over Inside Lewin Davis, and Justin Timberlake is in this movie, so I immediately feel like I've dodged a oh, bullet yeah. by not watching it. Yeah, it's it. like Justin Timberlake, Oscar Isaac, and Adam, Driver's Adam Driver. Yeah. yeah. So two guys that were that have done uh, what you call it, girls, on HBO, and two guys who have done Star Wars movies. Wait, other than Adam Driver, who was the other one who did girls? Um, Lewin Davis. Alex, he was Poe Dameron. Oscar I mean, Isaac. Yeah, Oscar girls? Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, oh. I don't know about girls. No, no, no. Um, Alex Karpovsky. Oh. Oh. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, he's in Girls. Uh, it's it's a very sad role, in my opinion. Also, we have... Oh, no, no. Never mind. I always get Garrett Hutland confused with the guy who did that John on Mars movie. Oh, yeah, they do look alike. Yeah. Very strange way. Very, very Midwestern faces. Midwestern white boy faces. He is in Tron Legacy, though, so, you know, and Georgia Rule, oh, yeah. so, uh, balance. But, uh, does anybody else have any other questions to go around with? No, I'm good. All right, word. Hey, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed our show so far. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our other podcast, Scraptitude, hosted by Tim Lewis and Jeff Akins. If you're a fan of boxing, mixed martial arts, or both, Scraptitude is the show for you. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Scraptitude, and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice. Now back to the show. Brandon, would you like to go next? I would. So I'm going to talk about the critically acclaimed cult classic Neon Genesis Evangelion. If you know anything about anime or Japanese pop culture overall, you most likely know that giant robots are a staple of the medium. You probably heard of Voltron, Mobile Suit Gundam, Zoids, or Code Geass, Lulu's of the Rebellion. 
You may even be generally aware of the Megazords from Power Rangers, which itself was an adaptation of the Japanese television show Super Sentai. Nothing, however, has been as iconic nor has similar overall legacy and cultural impact as Neon Genesis Evangelion. Set in a post-apocalyptic 2015, Evangelion follows 14-year-old Shinji Ikari as he is summoned by his father Gendo to the city of Tokyo 3. Abandoned by Gendo after his mother's death, Shinji's father is now recruiting him to join NERVE, a UN-affiliated paramilitary organization dedicated to the development and proliferation of the titular cyborg mechs in an ongoing war against giant beings called angels. Shinji initially refuses, berating his father for abandoning him and then summoning him to pilot a weapon of mass destruction. However, when the base is under attack, he bites the bullet and gets the job done. With some caveats. As the series progresses, it's revealed that only severely traumatic teenagers are compatible pilots for the mechs, raising some rather troubling implications, as one would expect. There's a fascinating level of psychoanalysis that plays out for most of the cast, as well as some sexual scenarios that still make my skin crawl, and this was after watching Game of Thrones. Wikipedia even tells me of the series' myriad themes and illusions, combining elements of Freudian psychology and Japanese mythology with Western religious doctrines such as Kabbalah, Christianity, and Judaism. And all of this is incredibly overhyped. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed watching this series, even if I had to look away from some parts. Its thematic density, however, is incredibly convoluted. It's overridden with angst. And both of its endings, yes, both, they had two endings, and it's not a DLC either, but both of its endings are jarring and disappointing. All of this is compounded by the frustration of a constantly regressing protagonist, even if his constant regression is literally the point. In the end, it became a little too obsessed with character deconstruction, boobs, and bodily fluids for my taste. Not even giant robots can save that. Somehow this went exactly how I thought you were going to take it. <laughs> Because I only watched, like, a segment of it on YouTube, and I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? And that's what I found myself asking myself by the end of it, the first time. And then I was told, oh yeah, you know, the show ending isn't the real ending. They brought it back for a movie. That's the real ending. And then I watch it, and that's even more what the fuck. It's just super anime. And I'm just like, wow, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, yeah, not more knowing much about it, it like from your description, it kind of sounded like every anime ever put together in one show. Yeah, except this is what really sparked a giant mech revolution in Japan, which is the funny thing. Like, this is one of the exciting things. Bro, when I went last summer, they still have, like, pachinko machines and, like, arcade games devoted to this thing. Hmm. Like, And the thing is, the music and the setting and everything, it's really interesting and stuff. But when it comes down to the actual plotting and the character progression and all that stuff, it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? Sure, in some sense, maybe there's some brilliance to being able to write a series this frustrating. But also, this is frustrating as fuck. And there's some legitimately fucked up shit going on. I mean, like, there's, like, pedophilia-level shit going on in this thing. And I'm, I, had, I, almost oh, had, I almost had to throw up, bro. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is the thing that I got hyped up, that people hyped to me for almost a decade now that I think about it. Because they're just like, oh, have you ever seen Evangelion? No. What? You ain't seen Evangelion? I watched this shit. I was like, what the, f what? What the fuck were they trying to get me to, to, to see in this? Oh, my God. Honestly, my first question is that since this is clearly like a point of uh, inspiration for other anime, do you think that it's, you called it a combination of a bunch of different anime, like animes and mangas uh, at different aspects? 
do you think that these are the worst aspects within these shows just all combined in one or is it every aspect all combined in one i think it's a mixture if you look at gundam or like zoids even code geass which i didn't finish and honestly i I don't give a shit about code geass i'm sorry to disappoint anyone who's listening to this but like if you look at a lot of them they kind of have a similar aesthetic and like a similar thing just like a lot of sci-fi is always about like a war in space where star wars ended up only like adding the space magic to it to differentiate these ones there's always a war going on and the main characters are these ace pilots of these robots and they come in and save the day so this one is just yeah in some sense it takes some like good aspects and i think it in some sense tries to shy away from the the worst ones but one of them like gurren it was almost evangelion but like in a fun way it like made it like a really fun one but it was still like you know really big boobs and stuff like that a lot of objectification especially when these are series that are aimed at they're like almost shonen series and they're aimed at like young men and you you know you you have those aspects where you're like yeah this is really like fucked up and i can't like imagine watching this at that age like watching it now i'm like horrified like imagine like i know a lot of people that probably watch this when they were in that really impressionable age and it's not to say that they're bad people or that they're into this sort of thing or anything like that it's just like my mind wasn't blown in a good way let me put it that way (laughs) i think that's a safe way to put that (laughs) it's interesting because i feel like a lot of different like anime shows have some type of objectification of like women oh absolutely Absolutely. i don't know if it's dragon ball yeah dragon ball for sure like i remember some scenes in pokemon that had this different types of animes were like characters doing shady shit and it's like oh like you look at it about like i feel like as a kid you don't think much of it i don't know if it probably doesn't apply to this show because it sounds like this show raised up the level to another notch but and those shows like you look act them back now as an adult you're like oh damn they went there yeah i think part of the influence is like really the post-apocalyptic giant robot thing like i think it's sort of one of the things that really set off that trend and that trope and then kind of just dialing things up to 11 like when i look at attack on titan now i wanted i was gonna rant about that but i thought evangelion was more appropriate because i feel like attack on titan is just evangelion without the robots okay i was gonna say the exact same thing it sounds like evangelion but instead of robots you have titans yeah like you have the teen angst you have all these weird things happening so yeah Yeah, and like just like the random blood gore because like these these robots are like they're cyborgs they're mech they're not just robots they're living beings with cybernetic implants and stuff like that which is kind of a crazy thing in the series and like a lot of stuff is actually interesting when you put it all together the interesting individual episodes are probably sometimes better than the whole thing as as a collective I, i don't i didn't know where the story was going i just kept you know it's just like all right you're fighting all these angels quote unquote and then you know one by one you're like defeating these monsters they get progressively worse and like the multiple pilots had to like come together first you have shinji then you have ray and he's taking over for ray because she's injured and then like later on they have asuka and you know the three of them trying to work together and over time they they you know fight progressively worse and worse monsters and eventually you know they have some some issues where you know like someone sometimes you know i think there was an there was like an episode where shinji got absorbed into the into the the evangelion the the robot and then you know he was lost for like an episode basically and like going through a psych a psycho trip like a a, a psychological trip basically the fuck bro this shit was fucking weird there's a lot to process that sounds like it's too much man yeah they're just they threw everything in there and it's like a fucking blender but it's 1995 so like this is like a pivotal time in a lot of people's lives especially our generation because a lot of us were already born Mm. but like yeah it also like sparked off like a dark mecha revolution in japanese anime and i'm just like am i really here for this and honestly 
as much as I've ranted about it, kind of 50-50, but I could definitely pin down the points where I'm not a fan, and the other parts where I'm just like, this is intriguing. Hmm. I wonder, because it sounds like this was like a starting point for a lot of anime, but I feel like at least stateside, it's not as popular as the animes that took inspiration from it. Well, Do you think maybe it's because the show was too much, because of the other content that was too graphic or not suitable for younger audiences? I think so. I know that it has aired on Cartoon Network in the past. I don't remember when. If it aired on Toonami, it probably got too heavily edited for it to make sense to people. Yeah, because Yeah, even Toonami had like the more adult anime like Cowboy Bebop and yeah. those type of shows. But yeah, yeah, even like I feel like if I talk to somebody on the street, they maybe somebody would know what Cowboy Bebop was, but Evangelion would be like, I don't know what that is unless they watched it. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, it's still very highly rated. If you go online, you look at, like, Rotten Tomatoes, you look at IMDb and other stuff. Almost anywhere you can rate TV shows, it's still very highly rated. But I don't know how much of that is some weird nostalgia trip and how much of that is some parts where people are discovering some kinks that they might not have realized they had. And, you know, that's on them. That's not This is not to kink shame or anything. It's just it's some stuff that I just wasn't really on board with. And, again, this is, this is even after watching all eight seasons of Game of Thrones. And there, it's some stuff still made my skin crawl and made my stomach turn. To be fair, like that stuff in Game of Thrones also made my stomach turn, but I was more interested in the story. For this one, I had no idea where the story was going, and it's so short. And then, you know, you find out that they like ran out of budget or some shit, and then the ending was changed. And the ending that we got was some kind of weird, almost, I feel like J.J. Abrams must have seen this because the original ending of the show was almost like lost. (laughs) And then later on, it's just later on, they decided to change it, and then it became just like, you know, your, your, your typical like super super over-the-top anime finish giant monsters world-sized monster and like world-sized like savior complex thing and this this whole trippy ass shit and on on top of like a giant massacre of like almost every character in the show i love a bad tv show and i love a bad movie but i don't think i'd be able to watch this I had two questions for you. One of them being, have you ever seen Eureka 7? I actually watched part of it in Toronto. I didn't ever finish it because I couldn't ever peg down the first episode at the time. And then I was too busy trying to watch Naruto. But aesthetically, it seemed pretty cool. I think I watched most of it. I feel like it would have a lot of similarities with what you described. In terms of like the mecha and like everything like that. My second question takes us out of the realm of the show, but keeps us in the anime fair. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Dragon Ball GT? Because a lot of the issues that you've just brought up are actually present in that show as well. All right, let me go on record and be very clear. I fucking hate GT. I don't know why it exists. I think it's complete bullshit. I'm glad that Super exists just so we can get to Ryama to actually do a real ser- series instead of just giving character designs and letting people run wild with their wildest fantasies and fan fiction about Dragon Ball Z and what comes next. Because that shit didn't make no fucking sense. I'm also not a fan of Super Saiyan 4, which is wild because a lot of people feel that Super Saiyan 4 looks fucking amazing. I just thought the entire concept was fucking stupid. The last thing you want to do is, you know, bring out a giant monkey just for them to go back to being a monkey. Don't do that to me. Don't pull that shit on me. That's I'm, I'm not a fan of GT. I, I haven't been. I forced myself to watch it because I wanted more Dragon Ball content as a kid, but I didn't even really finish it. I think it was in the Shenron saga. I, I skipped like half of it and it was on TV and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to watch the final fight. And I'm just like, I want to see Gogeta. And then that's I don't even think I watched that episode. I, I was. Yeah. Nah, ugh, ugh, I feel like I'm going to puke. I'm sorry, Brandon. 
it's okay. I brought I brought I up fan four six. So. <laughs> I brought fan four six up, so you you know you you good. <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> Is this the worst anime you've seen? God no, I've seen some terrible anime. I mean, what's shit. the worst one? <sighs> the worst one that I actually finished. Yes. <sighs> or one so bad you had to fin you couldn't even finish it. Darker Than Black is probably the worst anime I've actually seen and also finished. I don't remember what? why I finished it. I don't remember why I finished it. I thought Darker Than Black was not that great. What is that? Uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but I can try. Imagine basically a world where it's almost like you combine Mission Impossible or like the Born Identity with superhumans. And like basically the main character is like a hitman slash assassin or slash spy, super spy or whatever, who's like taking down these superhuman threats. It looked almost like it was like a concept video for animation because like the animation quality wasn't bad, but the, the series had like no real plot. It was just there to for shit that looked cool. And it was just like me watching this in 18 was just like, oh yeah, this looks cool. But like when I got done, I don't remember shit about the story. I can't, I can't even tell you the protagonist's name. I just remember him. And I remember there was like a big reveal when you, when you found out what his powers were, cause you couldn't tell. Cause it was just like so super badass that no one knew what his powers were. And it was just fucking electricity. It's like, really? That's what you hyped up for like 10 episodes? shit was trash bro trash damn because like the premise sounds like it could be interesting but i guess it was poorly executed yeah you know i think that's emblematic a lot of anime that comes out i think or a lot of anime that gets popular out west especially when it's like shonen stuff because there are some things that have really great concepts like bleach and then they end up getting fumbled like bleach Um, tell us how you really feel (laughs) (laughs) i mean i I could i could totally rose bleach but i know you have to go as well but like i mean for the short version for anyone who doesn't know about bleach bleach actually got canceled as an anime before the manga got canceled but yeah bleach was used to be one of those popular manga and anime series in the world and then it was so it was running so long that they kept running a bunch of filler arcs in entire filler seasons back to back and then stopping in the middle of the story and then going to a completely different spot and then saying let's imagine that you know everyone's okay right now and you know this conflict is just past and then doing all this other dumb shit so that they canceled the show after like like a full arc or two before the manga ended and then like they canceled the manga too so they had to like force the ending and i didn't even read all of it yeah this thing used to be on the level of one piece in like naruto it used to be compared oh, with man. them and like which ended up crying and burning meanwhile naruto ended on a bang and has a sequel series that's just as successful and one piece is the most popular manga series of all time you were always trying to get me to read one piece and i have no real reason not no that's a lie i started house of x and powers of x so i'm going to be deep in conspiracy theories believe me when i say that the one piece's length is surprisingly worth it he really takes his time with the world building if you really like world building and you know if you like stuff like lord of the rings if you like stuff like game of thrones if you like the interesting world building and people being creative with their with their abilities no matter how goofy they are you're gonna love one piece Especially if you like an adventure, because like we already know how One Piece is going to end, but it's about the journey, and every journey that they go on is different. Similar story structure, but you know it's it's unique. The setting is interesting. The characters are fun. The art style is really unique, and the fights are fantastic too. They're very creative fights. I used to peep it in Shonen Jump when I used to be able to get that here, but uh, not anymore. What was I gonna say? Also, I've read X-Men for years and years now, so I'm always down for a wacky character or Seven or Golden Balls. Yes! Never forget Golden Balls. Or Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl's not a mutant, it's just, I love Squirrel Girl. Hey! Anna Kedrick, get on that already. Alright, does anybody else have any questions for Brandon? None that I can think of. I'm all set. Alright. 
and now for me which took me a while because I got a lot of beefs out here in that Hollywood land uh, I got a lot of things that I really fucking hate I honestly was five minutes away from really going off on X-Men Origins Wolverine and then I said you know what I've missed my boat on that one I should have done it during the X-Men Dark Phoenix episode and I regret not talking about that movie more because holy fucking shit how does Ryan Reynolds still have a jobs? <laughs> like, he's not the worst part of that movie, but he doesn't help it. No. How did he get Deadpool, actually? I'm just going to put that out here. How, how do you get Deadpool after playing Deadpool so shittily in a movie that's not even yours that you probably could have just put more effort into? You know what? Actually, I digress. I digress too far. That also was another possible category where I would talk about average male actors who are just shooting way above their grade somehow. Ryan Reynolds. Well, I had um, an answer for you, Chris, on Ryan Reynolds on Deadpool, but I'll let you keep going. Bring that back up later. Ryan (laughs) Gosling, everybody else. Rocky Mock from Dorchester, and Ben Affleck from wherever the fuck he's from. Cambridge, maybe? But I digress again. I, however, have a massive bone to pick with the Fantastic Four movies, all of them in equal amounts because they are all hot, flaming pieces of fucking trash. And they all have one thing directly in common. They are all massive cash grabs of movies. The first one, made in 2005, is post-Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and I believe one X-Men movie? No, I'm sorry. Two X-Men movies and it's the go. year before The Last Stand. Thus, holy smack me in the face. It's a cash grab. Because superheroes were all the rage. How much money did Spider-Man 2 make? Spider-Man 2 almost made a made over three quarters of a billion dollars. Like, that was the move. If you wanted to boost your career, you did a superhero movie at that time because they weren't really taking that many crazy L's. Except for, I believe, no, not Deadpool. Daredevil predates this movie by, like, two years. But, like, oh, Analectra is the same year. But, um, you know, not, not everything is golden. And also, everybody was giving Ben Affleck a lot of credit for that Academy Award he barely deserved. $10 says that he was just on the couch throwing out jokes while they were making Goodwill Hunting. Um, More importantly, this movie is a cash grab. Jessica Alba is not that great of an actress. What's his name? Who plays Mr. Fantastic? Is it Ian Grufford? Grufford? Yeah, Grufford. After this and Rise of the Silver Surfer, I never really saw him the same. It was like fabulous after after uh, what's his name? Floyd Mayweather almost smoked him out. Michael Chiklis was on one of the greatest television shows of all time, The Shield, and that clearly means that this movie's a cash grab. Julian McManon, the guy who played Cole on Charmed, was like at a weird peak. He also was doing Nip Tuck at the time, and he wasn't going to win an Emmy anytime soon. Jesus Christ, if he ever wins an Emmy, someone come back to this and just let me know if I'm an idiot or not. And Kerry Washington is, like, on a slow burn rise, so, like, this isn't as much a cash grab as it is just, like, a good job for her to get involved in, because it could be a big franchise, and it could carry well for her. I forgot she was in that. Is a cash grab. It is so boring and so straightforward, and the fact that it only has a solid 27 on Rotten Tomatoes is even sadder. It has a B score for a cinema score from audiences, 
But I feel like people just thought, oh, this is like in space. It's like a bad guy who's a rich guy who's from another country but doesn't even use a bullshit fake Eastern European accent. This is art. This is good. Incredibles was better, but like, you know, I can see where they got inspired. Never forget, Incredibles also made like $630 million. So this movie barely made $330 million. And I'm saying barely because I bet anything it costs $100 million. I'm going to bet anything that like the marketing budget was $50 yeah. mil, $60 mil. Like you, you had to sell this movie. I remember the entire early part of the summer of 2005, I saw commercials for this movie everywhere. Everywhere. It was haunting me like a bad dream. Which is also to say that its sequel, Rise of the Silver Surfer, because again, this movie made three times in air quotes of the alleged budget, is basically the same movie, except, hear me out, hear me out, what's the plot? Like, I honestly just, is it that they switch powers and that there's like Galactus coming? Because and like, a, none- and a cloud is gonna fart on everyone, yep. Yes, a cloud. Basically. Thank you, Jose. I always forget about the cloud farting on people. There's just like no investment. Like it felt like nobody wanted to be there, but they were like, you know what? We got to get these checks. We signed contracts. I've already gone over. The fact that Chris Evans plays Captain America later in his career is a real blessing. My mom's forever future boyfriend, Lawrence Fishburne, is in this as the voice of the Silver Surfer. The guy that they had isn't even good enough to be the voice of the actual (laughs) Silver Surfer. My guy, I am... You know what? I'm not that sorry for you, actually. He's well, like that's Dave Gross. Yeah, he, he's had that happen to him a lot. He's the same dude who played Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Jesus Christ. That's and right. in the first movie, wow. yeah. he is. He's also in Pan's Labyrinth. Yep. And, and The Shape of Water. Yep. And Crimson Peak. <laughs> but more to the point. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. in Hellboy 1, he was also voiced by a different actor. Like, he did the body movements that a different actor voiced him. Facts. Guillermo del Toro knows how to pick people and put them in places that they will blossom, I feel like. Oh, this is by Tim Story? What else has Tim Story done? Ride Along? Ride Along 2? He did Barbershop? Alright, I don't hate Tim Story. I just dislike Tim Story then. Hurricane Season. (laughs) He did Hurricane Season, which never came out, but... um... It's about Forrest Whitaker coaching a basketball team from New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. That's ah, too much. Bow Wow's in the movie, you guys, so it's trash. All right. You know what? <laughs> I've digressed too much. Whew. I mean, that There's was a boring too, reference. But... And Andre Brower's in this also. God. But you know what? I'm just... Somehow, the fact that there isn't a third movie in this series, because this movie made double its budget, it's just... Wow. Missed opportunity, you guys. Missed opportunity. Even the X-Men movies made it past their shittiest one to make another one. And if I remember watching The Soup in 2007 like I do, I feel like they made a Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer joke once a week, every week, whenever they could. Finally, we have the 2015 Fantastic Four movie. And you know what? Honestly, I gotta say something. Austin brought this up earlier. Half of this movie is fine. It's very slow, but it's like, you feel like it's building something. It's plotting. Half of this movie is fine. Or really, the first two-thirds, because it's just a hundred-minute movie, and you think, oh yeah, like, this movie's gonna be a while, like, it's it's going in a, it's being paced for a very specific reason. No, that's not what's happening. They just probably ran out of money for all the effects that Josh Trank wanted to do. Josh Trank, who gave you Chronicle, which is... I don't know. I don't know. It's trash. 
Yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's the best way to put this. Who wrote the movie with Max Landis? I'm not even gonna get into that, honestly. All right, it's it's trash. It's trash. Yeah. And this movie, it's not that this movie is just awful. It just feels like it. Someone just did not budget this movie correctly, and then they told Josh Trank, and he was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You guys, you guys said we would have two hundred million dollars to do this movie." And then someone at Fox was like, we lied and ran out. And then he threw a temper tantrum, which actually, no, I take that back. That happened. There yeah. are stories about temper tantrums from Trank and like him getting in arguments with Miles Teller and there being like the producers coming down and like having conversations with people and like there being literal fights, which yeah, they had to like Trank reshoot lose. the whole third act, I think. The th- whole third act is a yeah. reshoot that looks cheap as like wearing gookies that you buy on Canal Street. Yeah, there's little mudslinging. Mudslinging, God, I miss Apocalypse. I'm sorry, I miss Ivan Ooze so much from X-Men Ivan Ooze. Um, <laughs> literally, Josh Trank lost out on a Star Wars prequel movie because of his bullshit on this movie. No, sequel. Oh, it was a sequel? Yeah, he was, pre- yeah he was going to do episode 9. Oh, wow. I thought he was oh. doing the Boba Fett one. No, nah, he was going to do episode 9. Wow, that's even worse. Uh, yeah. Took a big L, damn. That's like... No, no. It was announced that Trank would direct a standalone Star Wars film. So I don't think either of us are actually right on this one. Oh, never mind. All right. Well, that's a thing. Legitimately, most of the actors in this, Miles Teller is actually really, actually, everybody in this is not a terrible actor. Although, RIP to Reg E. Cappy, that dude was a fucking G. He was in House of Cards, yeah. impressively enough, oh, around the yeah. same time. This movie is openly a cash grab, but yeah, it Kate also Mara was, too. yeah, Kate Mara's in it. She doesn't need the money. She owns the Giants. Uh, Michael <laughs> B. Jordan. No, that's a real thing. Um, Michael B. Jordan is in this as Human Torch, which caused a lot of uproar for five seconds, and then people remember that this movie's going to be terrible, so they're like... <laughs> Nobody's going to yeah, watch it anyway, so who Yeah, cares? nobody's going to watch it anyway. Chris will watch it. Chris will watch it. It'll be fine. The movie, though, I'm I'm going to end this on this note. Um, The most interesting fact about this movie is that it was blatantly made so that Fox wouldn't have to turn the rights over to Marvel, and they probably kept the idea of a sequel out there in the zeitgeist just so they could mess with Marvel. They wanted to do a crossover movie of X-Men versus Fantastic Four. I'm betting anything just to keep it from Marvel or because they really thought this movie was going to be that good. And that's sad. That is sad that you are that delusional that you don't recognize the bullshit that you've made. That's like saying that your shit smells like roses. Nobody's shit smells like roses unless you, like, I don't know, are just You ate a rose. Unless you ate a rose. But, like, even then, that would decompose in your stomach or kill you. I don't don't know how this works. I don't know. I'm not an anatomy student. I'm not good at biology. I barely understand how the human body works anyway. How do I pee? Magic. Magic. But, yes, that's, that's my thoughts on the Fantastic Four. Do better, America. Please. MCU, do better. Please and thank you. Give me the reins on this one. I'll make it a TV show. We put it on stars or whatever channels you own. FX? Disney Plus. It's going to be Disney Plus. Disney Plus. M- let me make a cartoon show. It'll be beautiful. Give me another cartoon. Actually, so Chris, what do you think ruined these movies more so than just being a cash grab? Do you think they could have been good and then they just didn't put any effort into it? Or Yeah. 
I think that that's a big part of it. I think that they had potentials because if you've ever read the Fantastic Four, they're one of the oldest superhero families and everything like that. They touch on so many different aspects of like the supernatural and like elements of magic, elements of science. They go into space. They go into other realms. They go underground. They fight a mole man. They fight a dictator magician who like is just their old enemy. They fight robots. They fight Ultron, technically speaking. Yeah. Didn't they also discover Wakanda? Yes, they did. You could have gotten a backdoor pilot into Black Panther a lot easier but effectively they're like these superhero travelers that go all over the place and they're really cool they like kang would have been a great villain for them at some point if they ever got their shit together but and they have amazing villains galactus is an amazing villain when you really get down to it dr doom is brilliant and very when done messed up yeah. yeah when done properly when people care about it and i think that nobody cared i think that cash grab is like a very i wouldn't say in the no way to say like nobody gave a shit about this movie but like you could tell nobody gave a shit about this movie they gave a shit about that check though the check's still clear i'm good this is like being at a job you don't like and still putting in the work but like knowing you could do better knowing that you could like upsell a product to a client but you're not doing that because like it it doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day all this is a nihilist existence. Yikes. Yeah. And that's that's literally how these movies make me feel sometimes. Although, Fantastic Four from 2015, I will note, I openly think that there was like a really good story that had potential there and that they chopped up that movie a lot to save money. Yeah, like, I, I feel they chopped like, up all the potential out of it. Yeah, I feel like the script was probably a lot thicker and they probably kept cutting and cutting and cutting it down and the script is probably half of what it could have been. Like, yeah, this is a 100-minute move, movie. Like, I feel like if you'd given them maybe two and a quarter hours of, like, what they could have done, they could have made a vastly better movie. Yeah, and I think I heard rumors that there, that was the original plan. Like, I think I saw that we are going to get into more of the sci-fi aspect of it. I think Josh Strank or somebody, one of the producers, was comparing it to, like, the first Alien movie with the whole sci-fi aspect of it. Like, yeah. being more, like, sci-fi horror with, like, the hero discovering their powers and stuff. And then they just kind of landed, like chopped it up. I think it happened right when in that 2015 one, Mr. Fantastic runs away. And from there, it just goes off the rails. Yeah. From that point, right after they come back from the other realm, that's where yep. you like see the movie just turn and you're like, oh, they they filmed two movies. Cool. Yep. Just mismatch. Yep. Exactly. Cool as fuck. Also, I love the... There is an Esquire interview with, not Michael B. Jordan, with, oh my god, I remember his name. He always looks like a goddamn clown. With Miles Teller. (laughs) Yes, I just faked all that. I I admit it, I faked all that just to say, call Miles Teller a clown. I also think that Miles Teller is a fantastic, he does look like a clown, but he's also, he really is a fantastic actor. Um, None of the chemistry works in this movie, but um, more importantly, Miles Teller does this Esquire interview and everybody's like, he's a dick, he's a douchebag, da 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 da. And like, Jamie Bell, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan all come out and say, no, he's really a good guy. I don't know why this interview like comes off like this. This is really weird. And looking back, the interview, he does come off as a dick, but he also, now he's done all these indie movies recently, and, like, he still sounds like a douche frat bro, but, like, like his talent's been shining through. And as long as he hasn't done anything criminally bad, like, I don't know, I think he'll be fine. 
Michael B. Jordan is Michael B. Jordan. His only issue is that, um, according to Charlemagne, he doesn't look natural around black women. So. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, what does that yeah. mean? He doesn't look natural? Um, so Charlemagne was saying on either The Breakfast Club or on his podcast, Brandon, is it The Brilliant Idiots? Yeah, the one with Andrew Schultz. Brilliant Yes, Idiots. The Brilliant Idiots. He had on couple guests i can't remember who it was but he was talk they started talking about creed and how people liked creed and didn't like creed and he was like i didn't like creed because he always he looked very tense when he was sitting with tessa thompson and like he also sounded very forced when he played um killmonger in black panther and and i i don't agree with this but i also just find this to be the funniest take on michael b jordan's career as a whole and it stems from the fact that he was on a boat him and like two or three other black guys and it was just full of white women and them and like how he handled that reaction of being like we were in italy and there was not any black women that we could find and it's like all right that still sounds wild sketchy yeah i'm still gonna what yeah, it's so like weird. a really, really wild hot take, man. Damn. Yeah. Oh, and he like extends it. He's like, I saw him on like Parenthood, and he was like really good on that. But he was also dating a white woman on that. Just saying. And it's he like was on Parenthood. Oh. Yeah, he plays a recovering alcoholic that dates the oldest son's daughter. Oh. Completely yeah. forgot about that. I used to watch Parenthood with my folks, and totally forgot he was in that show. Fun fact: Every he now was also. Again, I like to throw on the randomest episode I can possibly find yeah. in Parenthood because I know I'll either cry, laugh, or just go, damn, Crosby, you be wildin'. Yeah, like I remember him on The Wire, but I don't remember him on Parenthood at all. Yeah, I yeah. was about to say He's The Wire. He's fantastic on The Wire. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That's what makes this take by Charlemagne even hotter. It feels like Charlemagne occasionally just forgets The Wire. And Friday Night Lights. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, where he... Wait, he's not dating Journey Smollett on that, is he? No. Yeah, I'll leave that for fact-checking. Or Charlemagne. Or Charlemagne. We'll, we'll tweet at Charlemagne <laughs> a little bit. We forgot to tweet at Wale when we were in D.C., everyone, and that's a tradition that's unlike any other. We tweet at Wale for three hours straight and see if he'll respond. Wale got spared my ire this episode. That's true. I love I, Wale. I, 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 had take for, I had to take for him and everything. Save it later. Save it for later. Save it for I later. will. You know I love me some Wale. All right. But, Jose, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. Like, for me, I think what I at least liked about the first two was at least Chris Evans had good chemistry with, like, some people. Like, the, he had a good chemistry with the character with Michael Chiklis' character. For me, in the 2015, it felt like nobody had any chemistry with anybody. Yeah. 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 Like, it is very confusing. So at least I feel like Chris Evans is maybe like the saving grace of those two movies at least because I feel like okay he's like the cocky brash uh, little brother which is what Johnny Storm is supposed to be like but other than that yeah there's a lot of big L's Doom is still not it's awful in all incarnations of film as of today was there any like how would you pitch your Fantastic Four movie Chris like what what would you do there we go first of all I would not let Doom be the villain villain in the first place, in the first movie. Thank you. I would 
semi kill doom off semi just bring him back later and let him be a second movie villain because he is a huge villain just throughout and it's i feel like if you go and you pan him to the second movie like you get more time to have with like doom as a villain and you get to make him a separate personality from the original victor von doom that you have the first movie but you still get victor von doom going with them doing the experiment I thought about this and I used to say we bring in Kang the Conqueror very early. I'd take that back. I would want to send them to a different world and they come back and they bring back a villain from that world and they basically kind of get duped into allowing this villain to train them in their powers and he tries to make a stronghold on Earth and then they have to defeat him from there. I can't remember any distinct otherworldly villains from the Fantastic Four lore, but I feel like that there's probably 20 of them just ready. Maybe it's the Kree. Maybe it's a Skrull. Maybe it's Mole Man. Actually, it could be Mole Man. Or Puppet Master. Was Mole Man human, or was he... Was it like an enhanced human alien, or...? I want to say that Mole Man is a human. I'm going to... Yeah, I think Mole Man is a human, and he gets affected in some way. But we could pull him from another dimension and then work from there. Okay, Mar- work from Mysterio. Exactly. Mar- Ooh. I have a question about that, actually. Um, I have a lot of questions about that. Marvel Comics has a history of just putting like other dimensions and other times characters wherever they really want. Iron Lad and Kang, um, the time-displaced X-Men. So let's pull from that more. And then in the second one, we go with Doom and we bring him into the fold like this is Spider-Man 2, and we just have his accent unfold in a way that makes him a very torn man. Yeah, I like that. Saving the bigger villain for the, like the second movie, like what the Dark Knight did. Yes. And then for the third one, we either go very deeply Dark Knight in that we pull out a random villain that you don't think is the villain, or really, I give you what I want to give you, which is Kang the Conqueror, because villain catalogs be damned, Kang the Conqueror it will fuck you up also kang is is like a descendant of reed richards so maybe it works and maybe we get adult nathaniel richards using all of his mutant powers as much as he wants Ooh, yeah because never forget nathaniel richards is a mutant cyclops doesn't yeah i think we almost got like the reed's kids in the original two movies if they were going to make a third one they were going to do the kids but then yeah they were like franklin valeria right yeah yeah which is even creepier when you get down to Valeria and her origins and why she's named Valeria. Hold on. Yeah, actually creepy. It's pretty creepy. All right. Does anybody else have anything they want to go over with me? How do you feel like this might fit into the MCU? I'm going to be really honest with you. I had an X-Men theory that it was just like, actually, you know what? I'm going to save my X-Men theory for an episode in a couple weeks. That doesn't need to be brought up here. Honestly, I feel like this could fit in pretty easily where they could have their accident they go to another dimension and then they come back from that other dimension thus proving the multiverse and i think that dr strange and what's the movie title again in the multiverse of madness and the multiverse of madness is going to help that because they could be trapped in a different part of the multiverse they could be in a pocket dimension anything like that so pulling them from that pocket dimension and bringing them into that movie is like a nice backdoor pilot for that Scarlet Witch helps that out very easily. I'm really pulling this out of my ass, but they're also not brilliantly rich where they disrupt the natural like climate of 
the MCU's current stable of characters. So it would be easier to do and then you somehow figure out a way to worm Doom in there. But it's also not like Gwyneth Paltrow remembers anybody she's ever worked with. So <laughs> That is true. Yeah, there's facts about that. So I think it might be a lot easier. Essentially, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to work in the X-Men right now. You won't have to go and twist the entire comic book's lore into your dimension to get it done. That's I hope true. that was a sufficient answer for you, Austin. I'm sorry I didn't go full conspiracy theory, Chris, though. <laughs> I'll have a good one for you on, on Tuesday. Sounds good to me. All right. All right, Chris, this is probably going to be my last question. Who would you cast as the new Fantastic Four for the MCU? You make this so difficult for me. Uh, well, we can't use Michael B. Jordan again because, you know, money. I have to remember. I had notes on this, and looking back, I don't I don't like the notes that I originally had on this. I've gone and I've like pinged this back and forth and I've thought about it. And after seeing A Quiet Place, I'm pretty cool with John Krasinski. And I can never remember his wife's name. Emily Blunt playing Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. That okay. would be pretty dope. But also, especially because John Krasinski looks like he can play a douche really well. I, I've watched The Office. I know he can be an asshole. So it could work. I will say he's really good in Jack Ryan. I keep meaning to watch that, and I don't know why I just haven't made it there yet. It's basically like Homeland, but with more action. Okay, I can get behind that very easily then. That's a good pitch. For a while, I thought that you could get, what's the kid's name? Casey Cott from Riverdale to play Johnny Storm. And I've backtracked on this, not a heavy amount, but just enough to be like, I don't agree with this anymore. This is not where I see this future. Because then I watched Shazam, and I saw someone different. And his name is Ross Butler, who originally oh. played Reggie on Riverdale before he was like, yo, you guys, I gotta go get this Netflix bread and stay on 13 Reasons Why. I thought we were gonna get canceled. I thought our original movie was a miniseries. My bad. My bad. Interesting. But also, he's witty. He's funny. Very charismatic. Very charismatic. Even on Riverdale, like, there's, like, a depth to him. And he only does, like, six episodes, so keep that in mind. It's a little weird. Not weird in a weird way, but weird in a odd way. That he's just, like, that he catches your eye in a way. Finally, the last person that I thought of, and again, I'm going to give you my original thought on the person for the character. For the thing I originally thought of, um, I can... I'm getting very bad at remembering people's names. But he played Deathstroke at the end in the mid-credits scene for the Justice League movie. Oh, uh, Joe Manganiello? Yes, Joe Manganiello. And I feel like he can play like a torn character now. He's actually a pretty damn good actor and very classically trained. Like, I knew nothing of Joe Magnell, but he, like, went to Carnegie Mellon and was deeply into, like, the arts and is big in D&D. &D. Oh, right. He does, like, that oh. table talk show with, uh, what's his name? Uh, I want to say he was in Star Trek. But, but yeah, he does a, legend, a lot of, like, table, like uh, board game shows with, like, him, uh, Sam Witwer, and a bunch of other famous people who are yeah. just really into D&D &D and those type yeah. of games. Yeah, he's in an episode of True... Not True Blood. He's in an episode well, of Big Bang... Blood. Yeah, he is in True Blood, but he's on Big Bang Theory playing himself in an episode where it's just, like, a bunch of celebrities sitting around a table. Well, Wheaton, that's... A, yeah, he, that's yes. the episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
That's it's like him, saying. Kevin Smith, Will Shatner, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I feel like <laughs> yeah. is the randomest person in that grouping, yeah. but it's like, it is. actually, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he, like, writes on TV shows now, like, on Veronica Mars, and, like... He does? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It he's, throws he you off very, completely. He has a very... He's a renaissance career. man. He's a renaissance man. I felt like, at some point, John Hamm could have done this role. Oh, yeah, like, back in the early days, I feel like john ham i could see him as a mr fantastic yeah he would have been a great mr fantastic i'm trying to think i can't really think of who i'd want to play the thing though that's a tough one i i know i heard like rumors of like sack afron playing the human torch um chris i got one what i got, I got one brad pitt brad pitt. <laughs> but what you know what actually i feel like his kids could talk him into it yeah, like if their mom is already doing one an MCU movie, so why not dad? Yeah, actually, even Zac Efron would be an interesting option for the thing. True, it'd have to like compel him into acting, like not <laughs> like he's handsome. Essentially, wow, that yeah, that did that's kind of why I feel like he's a better fit for Human Torch because that could naturally fit into his already like pretty boy persona. The thing would be, I think, be interesting. Like, yeah, I'm still trying to think of, like, a, who would be a good choice for that thing. Hmm. I'm trying to pull the name that I'm thinking of, and I want to make sure that this is the right person, because I... Oh, Anders Holm. Eh, actually, you know what? I take that back. I take that eh back. I, I stand by that. Anders Holm would be interesting. Um, he's what's like, he been in? He did Workaholics and Top 5, the Chris Rock movie. He's actually kind of... Yes! Yeah, he's really funny. And his role in Top 5 is very weird and just very random, but, like, it works at the very minimum. He was the, um... Shit, who was he in Top 5 again? He is the boyfriend of the reporter interviewing Chris Rock's character. Oh, he's Rosario Dawson's that, boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, okay. he's Rosario Dawson's boyfriend. I'm, I'm not going to get into that any further. That's a that's, that's a yeah episode. that's yeah that's a different episode. For like a second there, I was thinking Channing Tatum would do this, right? Well, he's not doing Gambit anymore, so might as well. <sighs> thank and he God. wants that MCU money. Thank, yeah, thank God, because that was a horrible idea. Like just because you're attached to an idea doesn't mean it's good, man. Relax. Yes. Like he was really gonna just shove this down our throats, and we were gonna be like, no, sir, no, please, <laughs> no. God, that would be. Yeah. But yeah, he, he kept practicing his Cajun accent for weeks. I think during the Comic Con when it was announced, and then nope, psych got canceled. Thank that God. was a bullet there. <laughs> would I have watched that movie? Yes. Would I have paid for my own ticket? No. I would have gone and watched another movie and then snuck into that one. <laughs> he's in Kingsman, and he's only in that movie for really like ten minutes. And thank God, because if he was in it any longer, I would have slapped myself and just locked out. All right, well, I'm done with my questions. Yeah, same here. I'm all set. All right, well, thank you guys for engaging in this. And next we have, actually, do you guys want to still do the People's Choice? or? Well, we could do our Hot Take City as our leftover options. Yes, I would love to hear these Hot Take Cities. I think that that will be our People's Choice. Actually, Jose, I have one distinct question for you, though. Go for it. So in your selections, you also added gory horror movies. Yep. And you put Hostel and Human Centipede, so I immediately understood what you meant. They are just ridiculous for no fucking reason. There's no plot. Yep. Okay. What is your, like, I'm going to guess you have a favored horror movie then? 
I feel like. Do you have horror movies that you actually like, or? Yeah, like the original Nightmare on Elm Street is one I really like. That one I feel like had a bit of gore in it, but it was like at least there was a plot to it. Like I'll give a movie, a horror movie, a pass if there's gore, but there's actually a plot. That's why I didn't include Saw on the list because all right, they, it's a ridiculous plot, but at least they try to do a mystery aspect of it. Hostile and Human Centipede, there's no fucking plot. It's just gross. Like, you, Human Centipede, I don't need to tell you what it's about. You know what it's about. It's about us weird fucking surgeons suing people's buttholes to each other, and they, it's gross. It's fucking gross. There's no need for this. And they made, like, three or four movies out of this fucking thing, and it's, like, just suing more people's buttholes, and there's just more and more people's buttholes being sewn to their mouths. It's like, why? Why? Who thought this was a good movie? This is fucking gross. And that's my spiel about gross horror movies. Like, it's fucking pointless. It's just gross. It's not scary. That's the big thing. It's not scary. It's just fucking gross. That answers the question that I had. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a very, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Chris, I want to ask you now for your hot take city. What about Seth MacFarlane? Because I see that that was one of your options. All right. So straight up, Family Guy is not that good. Thank God someone said it. Like, Family Guy has actually gotten a lot worse than, like, yeah. it's what terrible it was. Now. It's like really I, bad. I used to like it before it got canceled originally, but now you look at it, it's fucking garbage. The first they two just... seasons, when it came back, are really good. That movie, that first movie they did with Stewie is hilarious. Yeah. Their parodies of the Star Wars films, the original run, is hilarious when you really get down to it because they're yeah. just making jokes about, like, how fucked up it is. Yeah. And, like, the character usage is even smart. I don't yeah. like Meg on the show. Meg makes no sense as a character. And it's just, like, a continual joke about the fact that, like, Mila Kunis is doing this character. So it's real funny. Peter is ridiculous in a very stupid way. And it's not worth it anymore. They yeah. literally make, like, a series of, like, I don't want to say libtard jokes. But, like, libtard jokes. Jokes that, like, liberals are dum-dums. And, like, it's just, it's weird variations of that. And you can tell that they're anti-Fox News. But they still get Fox money, so how anti can you be when you sit from that tea? I'm sorry, when you sit from that green milk tea? Well, not anymore. Yeah, well, not oh, yeah. anymore, but, like, technically, still Fox News eats money. But also, American Dad is basically Family Guy, except worse. Yeah, they're basically just doing the same thing the family's doing. It's just, like, weird jokes that aren't funny anymore. Yeah, and none, I've watched it recently, and none of the jokes really land. Ted and Ted 2 are really really boring and have not held up well the first ted has a couple of jokes that are still fine like the entire flash gordon stuff is hilarious in reality but like i don't know like marky mark is only so funny with his shirt on so you know it's, it's weird also he got a million ways to die in the west after ted and that movie just has no plot and it's just like a, every joke falls flat on its face unless it's Charlize Theron making it. Yeah. And that's like, really I remember the scene with Neil Patrick Harris shedding the hat and it just went on forever. I'm like, why? Please just Yes. Why? It needed something to ground the movie to like make it work and like to make all its jokes work and function. It wanted to be airplane, but this is not airplane. This is a movie in the old time West. Airplane's joke is the fact that it is a bottle episode of a movie. Like yeah. everybody's in the same situation and they pan out and they give you little grabs of like memories and stuff like that. But Airplane is ridiculous. Also Kareem Abdul-Jabbar denying that he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is amazing. <laughs> However, again, this movie seems like it was made while Seth MacFarlane was like 
wild high on the high of dating um amelia clark and like probably doing ecstasy and like honestly this isn't cats like you can't get away with like a plotless oh yeah i'll get to that by the way you can't get away with making a plotless movie on drugs and say this is going to be fine you guys it's going to be fine we're going to make all our money back no that's not how things work tell it to warner brothers uh yeah that's who's making the cats movie but um andrew there's always been this running joke in theater that andrew lloyd weber was wild high on acid when he made cats originally because people have looked back on that entire play and been like yo there's no plot to this there is no plot to this i've read it on wikipedia and it's it's just cats doing random shit yeah exactly and there's like songs and now we have this movie and it's just like one giant fever dream i'm sorry fever nightmare fever nightmare (laughs) it literally gave me a nightmare for two weeks in a row and i just i only get four hours of sleep now you guys oh you poor thing thing. yeah i have to take melatonin can i see warner brothers maybe i'll find out oh actually chris i'm gonna correct you on the spot it's actually universal that's putting out cats oh it's universal that's worse (laughs) you know what how likely is universal to try and make cats into a franchise like on a running scale like let's go one to five like five highest possible oh that's a four oh my cat Sorry, make cats a what? Make cats a franchise movie. Oh. Franchise series of movies. Like, it's a four. Like, it's very likely. Oh, God. If it makes money, I feel like, yeah, they would do it. But, I don't know. Giving the reception of the trailer, I don't know who's going to see this damn movie. Like, furries? Sure. Mm. But anybody else? I feel like furries might not be into this. They don't look furry. Fans of the play? Yeah, fans of the play and furries. I don't know. Anybody who wasn't a fan of cats, I don't know if they're sold on this really at this point. Somehow I feel like the cross-section of this is like 40, 50-year-old white moms from suburbia who like don't get to go and see Broadway musicals, but they're like, if I see one on this big screen, I know I'm going to get real Randy for Randy tonight. (laughs) That was a bad accent, but I stand by it. Yeah, it's like that South Park episode where that literally happened. Oh, yeah. Holy old fashioned. Yeah, nice old fashioned after a good Broadway play. Oh, yeah. You got to use subtext. Yeah, I love that that episode was basically Andrew Lloyd Webber was just a big bro and he just snuck in a bunch of like ways to have women give men old fashions. Just. What a classic. Truthfully, one of their best episodes of the past decade. Now, going back to Seth MacFarlane, I will say that I think, I don't know if you've ever seen The Orville. That's actually good, in my opinion. I've seen a couple episodes of The Orville, and The Orville is actually fine. But, like, I don't know. Like, does one thing make up for, like, one, two, three, four, five shit shows? Yeah, like, I'm not saying that he's redeemed himself for, like, the shitty fast few seasons of Family Guy and American Dad. But at least the last two seasons of Orville, like, I think he planned to start it out as a parody of Star Trek. And then it just ended up becoming Star Trek. There was more drama than the comedy, and it was actually good. Like, yeah. I feel like I like it better more than, like, the new Star Trek shows like Star Trek Discovery that just went, like, full sci-fi channel territory with how dark and gritty things are. But they kind of skewer at that. Yeah, they the hinted at that. Part. And there were some. There are some episodes that are literally ridiculous. There's one episode where a porn simulator crashes a ship. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's Seth MacFarlane's brand yeah, of comedy. Yeah, that's Seth MacFarlane human, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the weaker episodes, but the ones that actually have like a good plot to it are really good. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna give it a chance. I have Hulu. <laughs> right. So since we're going off everybody else's list, Austin, tell me about the Bachelor and Bachelorette and your issues with that. 
the show is about let's find the most vapid people who think they're looking for love but are actually looking for Instagram followers and make a show out of it. I used to like the appeal to a degree because it was funny to make fun of everything, but after a while, it's what's the point of making fun of vapid idiots? If you watch the show just to make fun of the whole thing, I don't know who you're fooling other than yourself. If you watch this show genuinely because you think that they'll find love and isn't this great, then you're a fool. That's just about it. I've nope. told people that I know that I will not watch The Bachelor until they give me a Black Bachelor. So my goal is to only watch that one season. Actually, give me an Asian Bachelor. Uh, I can live. Uh, give me an Asian Bachelor and I'm, and I'm there. Yeah. They haven't had that yet? Wow. No. And they're like yeah. deep into it. There's been a show that's parodied The Bachelor on Lifetime, I believe. And they even had a Black Bachelor before this show had a Black Bachelor. The Bachelorette has had a ba Black Bachelorette oh, very okay. recently, yeah, like two years ago. Yeah, one. Okay. Yeah, but they very rarely, they don't ever really go and cast for um, Asian and Black men on this show, or women either. I think they've had like one or two Latino guys, but they look very, very white. Well, they know the viewers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and yeah, Austin, I think it's kind of like the same issue I have with like a bunch of other reality shows where it's just people doing dumb shit. You're just there for the followers. Yeah. There's no plot here. It's just people doing random dumb shit. Why am doing I watching for the this? Yeah. Like, I don't see what the point of just watching some dude getting drunk and then throwing up and then passing out is. Like, I get that at college, but like. Why would I want to see that? Take time out of my day to see that. I see that ironically on the streets in college, not on purpose, on my living room. Why you would watch reality TV when there's actual good shows on is beyond me, honestly. Yeah, yeah the one the reality shows that I actually do like are like more like the competition shows. There's actually like people striving to do something. But like these were just like day in the lives of dumb people. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Chopped. I, I love me some chopped. Yeah, I used to enjoy watching The Ultimate Fighter, actually. Is that still on? I think it is. Nice. Yeah, and those shows had, like, a goal. Like, somebody's trying to be The Ultimate Fighter. Somebody's trying to be Top Chef. This is just dumb people doing dumb shit. Nah, Jose, they're looking for love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a player. I'm not a player. I just want to look. And then they get divorced immediately after. Yeah. Ironically, I feel like Family Guy did an episode about that. Family Guy has parodied The Bachelor in many a reality show many <laughs> times. I will say, though, Are You the One from MTV is basically like a dating show with personality, with a personality test at the beginning. And like you have to figure out who your match is to make a pair and all this stuff. And they win a million dollars. That show is actually funny. And like, even if you wouldn't watch something ironically like it is wildly nuts gotcha hmm. brandon what do you have against the watchman <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might as well tie that in with snack snyder too since he directed it yeah all right i'm gonna give you all the abridged version since y'all already know watchman is watchman is a story with many layers right at its core, it's an alternate reality where these retired superheroes had turned the tide and, you know, quote-unquote, won the Vietnam War. 
but they weren't flawless heroes like we got in the Silver Age. They were normal people who, with complex morality, questionable decision-making, and they decided to go put on masks and quote-unquote fight the good fight. They went out into the streets and turned to, to mass vigilantism and eventually got conscripted into a war. Only one of them is even superhuman. The rest of them just wear costumes and shit. Their life decisions and their psychology and the intersection of that is one of the central tenets of the series. When it comes to the movie, however, Zack Snyder, fresh off of 300 and true to form, masterfully reproduces the imagery of the comic and proved he was a genius at missing the point. <laughs> he, take, he takes these complex characters and turns them into hyper-violent thrill-seekers with different genitalia. They're basically stripped of their humanity and then you inject Matrix-inspired action shots into this boring melodrama of different skins of the same character. That you don't really have a clashing personality that that really made the original narrative interesting and that's you know in hindsight kind of what we ended up getting later on when he started doing the dceu and that's been my big gripe with the dceu in general i don't necessarily care if something is dark or edgy i care if there is one there's purpose to it and two there are different personalities that are going at it and you know really really wrestling with the themes that are being presented but snyder similar to evangelion can't carry the weight of the themes he presents and, and you know he's much more concerned with reproducing the imagery and not necessarily the idea or the spirit of the stories that he tells and the fact that watchmen is basically his magnum opus and that was 10 years ago and that they're redoing it on hbo as a tv show which is frankly what they should have done the first time. I think that tells me something. And yeah, I have watched both versions of the film. I, it still didn't change it for me. In fact, the ultimate cut just, just makes me feel like there's 30 more minutes of my life I, I will never get back. Same thing with the ultimate edition of Batman vs. Superman. Are you saying that you watched the ultimate version of Batman vs. Superman? Yeah, it was incredibly convoluted way of saying that Lex Luthor actually thought through his plan. That's pretty much it. Although I will say that I appreciate the extra scenes of Clark Kent actually being a journalist. Reporting, yeah. But otherwise, it was basically just to say that Lex Luthor didn't randomly fall into his plan. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that Clark Kent actually, did, you know, did his job accurately. Yeah, he, there's a whole subplot where he goes to Gotham City, which is, in all honesty, a great idea. It's also why he knows who Bruce Wayne is. Yeah. As opposed I to just, just wonder, you know, like... Who has final cut in his movie? Because there's like a lot of scenes in like the ultimate edition of that movie that I feel like should have been in the final cut and a lot of scenes in the actual theatrical cut that's like, why this is here? Did we really need Lex Luthor feeding a Jolly Rancher's random person? No. Would have been helpful to see Clark Kent doing reporting? Yeah, probably. Yeah, but Jose, we clearly needed the Jolly Rancher and also the piss in the jar. <laughs> yeah, come <laughs> on, man. Uh, you gotta see the pee. I mean, I mean, you don't have Diane Lane making that joke just to have it be a one-off joke. Of course not, because we, the world needs more pisses in jars. Exactly. Yeah. In a mason jar. In a mason jar. Yeah, I see no problem with that. In a mason jar. Diane Lane can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, that was Holly Hunter. Diane Lane's Martha. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh yeah. She's Martha. 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 Why did you say that name? (laughs) (laughs) Right on cue. Yeah, right. the fact that Zack Snyder can't see past things like that, like the whole Martha scene is, wow. Yeah, and it really permeates through his films. You see it in 300 as well, but the thing is 300 isn't much of a narrative so much as an action romp where, yeah. you know, he's just just a bunch of shirtless guys cutting through enemies for three hours almost. Well, not three hours, but long enough. Yeah, I typically tend to give Zack Snyder a pass for Watchmen 300 because he literally just copied and pasted the comic book into screen. I mean, when yeah. it comes to like original content, God, he just doesn't know where to go from there. Sucker Punch? Sucker Punch, yeah. 
Like I'm telling you, Chris, you make that into an actual porn movie, it's the greatest porn movie of all time. Just the production value. It, yeah. You try to make it into a natural movie with plot, it's like it, do, it doesn't hold up. The it's Last terrible. Guardians. Fucking terrible. The Last Guardians. Oh, God. Wait, Legend of the Guardians? Sorry, or? Legend of the Guardians. There we go. Oh, okay. The, the one about the owls? Yeah. yeah. Something, like that. Something like that. We'll we'll leave that for post. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll, I mean... I'll deal with that later. I mean, I get what you're saying, Jose. My thing with Snyder is he took most of the imagery and just kind of ran with the imagery and, you know, his idea of what was cool about the Watchmen. But it's his... The way that he did the Watchmen is very ironic given how much Watchmen is a deconstruction of these characters and very much a satire on superheroism. And I think he just kind of stripped that away and just made it into a generic action movie with boring melodrama. Yeah. Like, like I think there are some times when you can like stray away from the source material in order to make the elevate the story. And I'm going to pitch it to you here because you brought up Watchmen. The boys on Amazon is a perfect anti-Watchmen like that just like it was also based on a comic book but it nails the tone so well and it basically does what Watchmen could I'm yeah. gonna have to give it a shot and they did the right call of like deviating from the source material when it was like too out there too gory or in a way to make it have a more sense to the plot so that the characters actually feel like characters yeah like yeah, the no. guy who plays like an evil Superman is like imagine Christian Bale in, Psy- in American Psycho with superpowers Oh. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's basically Evil Superman in that show. You see, Jose, I'm going to have you sell me on watching television shows that I normally just wouldn't watch by making sure that you see like three episodes of it before I say (laughs) do anything now. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys, I've hired Jose as my official TV recommendation guy. This podcast is done. No no more podcasts. (laughs) We're done. I I need no more help. (laughs) Done. He's he's in. He said yes. All right. Cool. (laughs) No, but that's actually a really good sell. Fuck now i have to watch it i pay for all this amazon prime and all i do is just order things and like order things pay more money <laughs> they pay more money yeah they actually got some good shows in there that's good news. all right does anybody have a hot take that they've been sitting on that they would like to hand to the people give the people what they want Zack snyder is the wale of filmmaking <sighs> jesus christ you just trying to get... actually you know we'll be fine we'll stay on the internet who cares <laughs> Most rap fans don't care about Wale. Yeah, I feel like I have a bigger reaction if I knew who Wale was. But exactly. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is a very overrated job. Oh, okay, Chris, I was going to explain to you how he got that. Yeah, yeah, okay. you got you to gotta walk me through this one. Okay, so basically it happened in the comic book first, ironically. There was Wait, a what? comic book pa- Yeah, there was a comic book panel where Deadpool took his face off and people were like, oh, what do you look like under there? I look like Ryan Reynolds fucked a Shih Tzu. And somebody showed it to Ryan Reynolds, and he ran with it. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm digging this. And it was actually against how his character played out in X-Men Origins Wolverine, but he was like, fuck, I really love the character, but this movie sucks. And then he, the movie came out, and he's like, I fucking told you guys, this shit sucked ass. Why did you shut my mouth? And that's why he want, really wanted to pitch for several years his own Deadpool movie, until he finally got it. Yeah, he actually advocated for that movie a shit ton that's fair um then i have a follow-up question what is his issue between x-men origin wolverine all the way up to deadpool because i that man could not make a good movie to hold a candle to wait say say that again like why couldn't he do what in x-men origins he could like from x-men origins wolverine 
all the way to Deadpool, you don't see him do a single good movie. And I've just, I've always just thought he was wildly overrated. Deadpool, he's like fine in that, but like Deadpool, I'm, I'm not in love with it. So like, I find it very hard to like be in love with his characterization, but he also does a very true to the character acting. So it works. But between those two movies, like he is whew, in some trash. The Proposal yeah. is still one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, Green Lantern, but we don't speak about that on this podcast. Um, or we do. I don't I don't know the rules right now. Yeah, I think he was trying to find his niche, and it wasn't until Deadpool that was like, oh, sarcastic asshole that makes a lot of jokes. That's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he was trying to do that a little bit in other roles like Green Lantern or something, but since it was PG-13, it was like it was holding him back. Yeah. He did oh, R.I.P.D. That was terrible. That was yeah. yeah. We, we don't talk about that movie either. It was like a bad Men in Black with a ghost, was it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, Men in Black isn't even that good when you really get down to yeah. it. Yeah. What's the difference yeah. between Men in Black and Wild Wild West? Time? One is Smith in the present time. <laughs> That's about it, really. I do think Ryan Reynolds was good in Detective Pikachu, though. You know what? Then I have to watch Detective Pikachu, and I'll adjust from there. But I don't know. I feel like there's like a really nice threshold for average white male actors to make money in Hollywood. And when average black male actors start getting more roles that aren't Tyler Perry films or BT TV shows, then we can start talking. You know, that's valid. Yeah. yeah. Give me Algie Smith. Algie Smith is on an HBO show. Give me Algie Smith leading an HBO show and I'll we'll, we'll get the talking. Or J.B. Smooth. Or J.B. Smooth. Or the kid who plays Black Bieber on Atlanta, who's also in Booksmart. <laughs> Get him in some good role. Yes. Oh, he is, he is one of my favorite parts of Booksmart. That is not Billy Lord. Oh, he was in Booksmart. Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Oh. That entire Atlanta cast is just doing things. Everybody. If you got some drip from yeah. that show, you That's are running They got to film season three or four back to back. Got it. And then just stop the show. <laughs> Maybe even not even show us season four. Make it like this illustrious like thing that we just want, but like we never see. But then like, you know, Donald Glover accidentally uploads it to the cloud and he makes an open account and everybody just downloads it one day. Yeah, because we, we don't want it to turn out like his Deadpool cartoon. Yeah. What? What do you mean? That was brilliant. <laughs> <sighs> Gone too soon. Gone too soon. He's probably going to be Prowler soon, so you know. Better be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And with that, that is the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for having us. I'm Chris Walker, and you can find me at CWLKR20 on Twitter and Instagram. Austin, where can the people find you? On Twitter at capital A, capital D, capital W, capital A, and then USTN. Instagram is at AHALL3234. Jose? You can find me on Twitter at SH1TJAYLOWSAYS. And I'm hopefully making it on Instagram soon, so stay posted. And Brandon. You can find me on Twitter at BCKESSO or on Instagram at LDChocolate. And now for our fact check. Hello, I'm Austin Hall, and here is your fact check. Ed Screen, or Ed Scrine, spelled S-K-R-E-I-N, played Francis Freeman, a.k.a. Ajax, in the movie Deadpool. There were six characters that represented different aspects of Bob Dylan's life and music in the film I'm Not There. They were Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, 
Marcus Carl Franklin, Richard Gere, Heath Ledger, and Ben Wissaw, spelled W-H-I-S-H-A-W. Movie Hellboy 2 The Golden Army was released July 11, 2008. The Dark Knight was released July 18, 2008, a week later. Movie Inside Lewin Davis was released December 6, 2013. The Last Jedi was released December 15, 2017, while the movie Solo, A Star Wars Story was released May 10th of 2018. Manga series Bleach by Tite Kubo, spelled T-I-T-E-K-U-B-O, ended its run in weekly Shohan Jump on August 22nd, 2016, but was reportedly not canceled. The anime, however, ended March 27th, 2012, without completing the story of the manga. Colin Trevorrow was fired from directing Star Wars Episode Nine, not Josh Trank, who was originally tasked with the standalone Star Wars film. Kate Mara is the great-granddaughter of New York Giants founder Tim Mara and Pittsburgh Steelers founder Art Rooney of the NFL. Their family still co-owns both teams. While the characters portrayed by Michael B. Jordan and Journey Smollett-Bell on Friday Night Lights were romantically involved, it is not confirmed whether it extended off-screen. Marvel supervillain Mole Man, who debuted in Fantastic Four number 1 in 1961, is in fact a human. Marvel supervillain Kane the Conqueror made his debut in Fantastic Four number 19 in 1963 primarily stemming from the time-traveling Nathaniel Richards, who has also been Iron Lad, Mortis, and Ramatut Kang has had many identities throughout his publication history. To this day, his full origins remain a mystery. Joel Manganiello, who played Deathstroke in Justice League in 2017, also played Flash Thompson in the Sam Romini-helmed Spider-Man trilogy. This has been your Fact Check. <laughs> That's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a production of Rising Young Minds, hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you would like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Please be sure to leave a review if you can. <laughs>